0: Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk So, we've been going through a series uh, recently, uh, and we titled that series Encounters with Jesus. And it's so easy for us to just you know, sit there and hear the next preacher in the series, and to get that Actually, the whole reason we're here is because of Jesus. It's because you know of the encounter that we've had with Him, Um, and you know He left the ninety-nine to come and reach us to one. You know we're all uh, at one stage one and all at another stage the ninety-nine, but there's always
1: somebody else.
0: That God wants to see brought into his kingdom. Um, And it's a privilege that we are able to demonstrate that to other people around us. Um, That as people encounter with us, they're actually encountering with Jesus in us. And so there's a very real sense that they get to meet with Jesus. And you are We've been going through all these different stories and hearing of different people's encounters with Jesus. About last week was the, the boy with the five loaves and two fishes. Yeah? And it's to encourage us in our walk with Jesus. It gives us direction and purpose. And that's really the reason for telling stories, isn't it? It's, it's to, um, just help people think and work out what their story is and that's the joy of sharing our story. So, let's just pray. Father God, our heart's desire is to encounter Jesus afresh. Lord, that we would have fresh purpose for this week. Hear you and what you have to say to us. Lord, I pray that my words don't get in the way of what you want to say. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us, including me, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. So, this morning we're actually looking at Luke 14 um, and We've titled it the Chief Pharisee's House, um, but some of the Bible actually says it was a problem with Pharisee. But um, the, the point is that um, there's this story that happens in the Bible. I say it's a story, it's an account of a true event. Um, but it's all one event. And so often, um, when I was looking at preparing for this, this is, there's about three preachers in there, and sort of I think we've already heard two of them this year because they're based on sort of the parables that Jesus tells of this event. But there's a third one in there that we so commonly gloss over. Um, if you ask me, did Jesus heal a blind man? I go, well, yeah, he healed a blind man. He ended up sort of taking some blood and spreading it over um, the eyes of the blind man. you know, actually that blood wasn't there he had to stick in the ground, so you know, it's kind of a bit gross and, you know. but if you ask me, did God did Jesus heal a bloated man I do not know, know. Huh? Uh, well, maybe but that's the story that happens in Luke 14 and so I thought we'd look at that and explore that, and just I wanted to highlight a few things that God um, spoke to me about. But it all happens in one event. So there are these other parables that we've already heard about. So I'll touch on those, but do a fairly light touch on those. But the the point is that. Luke records all of this together, and so there must be a purpose to it. You know, when when we meet up, we we don't have a conversation on just one topic. Um, you know, a conversation leads from one sort of topic to another to another, and that's how our meetings go. Yeah, but so it's not an unusual event, but. There is a reason that Luke's recorded all this together, and I think what links these three things together is God's kingdom. And I think there's a, a little evidence that shows people often think that God's kingdom is a thing that is going to come. We speak about kingdom as in the rule of the king, and Jesus hasn't come back yet, so his rule and reign is still to come. But actually, what Jesus was teaching here in Luke 14 was, no, God's kingdom is here. That's why we speak about Jesus' rule in our lives. Because his rule and reign is here. So the underarching theme this morning is about God's kingdom. So, let's get into... The scripture, and that to my eyes is slightly word, but we'll deal with that. And um, so, you'll have to forgive me because I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. Normally, I would read the whole scripture to give you context and then break off into a little bits, but I'm just going to jump in and do little bits. Um, and so, we we'll start with one Sabbath. When Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully and watched. The first thing that stood out is that word, Sabbath. You know, they were meeting up on their day of rest. It's, you know, it was an opportunity to come together. they probably be at the temple, and then a bunch of them probably came back uh, to the Pharisees' house, they're being invited back, and I think you know it was probably an everyday event that on the Sabbath, you know, the Pharisees would um, have people back to their houses, and in some ways, I sort of think, well, that's great because that's kind of what we do, and now I've got biblical reference for why. We sort of say, let's have people come back to our houses. And I guess, you know, the Pharisees, as we'll see in a bit, it wasn't just the Pharisees and Jesus who were invited back, but there was a whole crowd that came back. And in some ways, the bonus, the icing on the cake for the Pharisees was probably that they got to to watch Jesus um, and watch him very closely. We'll get into that. The thing that stood out as well is that it's very easy to make it about me. Yeah? It's very easy to get into a religious mindset that says, um, well, we've been told to you people back or this is something that we've always done. Um, and that's what it becomes about. But it misses the point. The point. And what Jesus was focused on was, it's about kingdom, it's about the opportunity for community and coming together. So then, we always look at the end point because we've read Jesus as a sort of life through and we think, But Jesus and the Pharisees were always at opposition. And Jesus has gone into this situation, and you can see from that first verse that he was being closely watched. And my question to you is how do you cope with those difficult situations? You know, the Pharisees, we can imagine, were scheming, We can imagine. Um, that perhaps they were trying to cash in on Jesus' political goodwill. Perhaps they were trying to catch Jesus out. It's easy to assign all of that confrontation to that situation. I think maybe that wasn't the case, but I do think whatever it was we're told by Luke's account that the Pharisees were watching Jesus closely. So I think that animosity had begun to arise, but it wasn't necessarily a full-blown, Good Friday sort of approach. Um, but people's eyes might well be on you. They might be thinking, what kind of people? What is it that makes you different? Equally, people might know what makes you different, you might have told them that you're a Christian, and now they're watching you to see whether you trip up and do something that they think isn't very Christian. Um, But we can end up walking into situations feeling a bit sort of like, oh, I'm I'm being watched, I've sort of got to behave properly, I've got to, you know, sort of be careful, and we're very easily work into this alone in judgment. Yeah, I was talking with Adam earlier this week and sort of saying, quite often I walk into situations, and I'm pre-prepared, particularly if I think it's going to be a difficult situation. I, I thought, well what if they say this? And I'll respond with this. And what if they say that? Well I'll respond with that. And I'll work out all these things. And actually, that doesn't help because I can tame how I go into that situation in that I'm already accepting it to be hard. Jesus is remarkable. He seems to be very relaxed. He seems to be just enjoying the day. He's sat with his disciples. He's sat with the crowd eating, just watching what's going on sort of telling stories, speaking into things and that's a take home for us that we need to be careful that we don't judge difficult situations but actually we just walk through it. Jesus didn't either, as we'll find out again, didn't limit what he said because of the difficult situation. Yeah, although he was being carefully watched, that didn't hold him back. Jesus still spoke truth into those situations. And that to me is quite amazing remarkable to be able to achieve that. Um, so, verse 2 goes on, There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling. Of his body. Now, in today's speech, we would sort of say, well, he's got edema, or what used to be called dropsy. Um, and it's a terrible condition. It can last for months, but also it can last for years. In severe cases, it's life threatening. Now, I think by well, the fact that this man was in front of Jesus, and what Jesus ended up doing, It was pretty severe, but it's caused by a sort of body retaining water in various parts, and it can make breathing difficult if the water's sort of pressed on uh, sort of the lungs. Um, It certainly makes walking difficult, and it's certainly sort of stiffness, Um, but. Back in those days, all of that, they've got no treatments, no drugs. But Jesus is sat there looking around. Jesus is interested in the people. He's watching what's going on. He's not there for the event, he's there looking at the people. And we need to be doing the same. We need to be focused. On the opportunities, for kindness before us. We need to be looking at who's around us and how we can help. I wonder if other people in the sort of group that have gone back to the Pharisees' house, whether they noticed the man, whether they were nudging and winking with one another, or he eats far too much that man. Look at how bloated he is. Yeah? I, we need to be careful of what draws our attention, that there is a harm for people. All right. Let's continue. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So, taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. I don't think Jesus was being confrontational when he asked that question. I don't think he was looking to cause an argument with the Pharisees. I think what he was trying to do was cause the Pharisees to think, to rethink about their religious ideas. It's easy to reason and respond to Jesus' question. Well, of course, of course, it's straight to, you know, it's legal to heal somebody on the Sabbath. Doesn't matter whether it's the Sabbath or not, why wouldn't you? But it's also easy, knowing where the Pharisees stood, to understand why they were so dumb by that question. You see, I think in their minds, it was Jesus who was doing the healing. The healing didn't come from God as far well as they saw it, the, the healing came from Jesus. And if it was Jesus doing it, then Jesus was doing work. And if he was doing work, well, that wasn't that. Sabbath. So therefore, they're stuck. But not only that, they're stuck because they're in front of a bunch of people that they've been teaching in temples. They've been teaching all of these things about how good the Sabbath is to have a day of rest. And then there's Jesus kind of saying, well, hold sort of You said that it's good to rest and I agree with that but don't let that sort of block you off from what God's going to do so Jesus' question is designed to jar our or their religiosity this is always a dodgy question to ask particularly as a leader but the point is that paint brought prophetic word to us last year now um, and um, it was brought again at a recent uh, Christ Central leaders' meeting um, comes out of Isaiah 4 3 19 see I am doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it I am making a way in the world and streams in wasteland. You see, if God's doing a new thing, it's easy to slip into a religious mindset that says, we've always done it this way. And as Ben was teaching a few weeks back, that we can get in the way of Jesus breaking out and doing a new thing. We can so often close off Jesus breaking with contemporary. By that I mean that he comes to break um, what sort of has happened in the past. And Jesus comes to break uh, with conformity uh, the idea of rules and regulations. You see in encountering Jesus personally Are you ready to have him do things that you don't consider he should do? Are you ready for the Holy Spirit to break out? Are you going to let Jesus and his mindset define your mindset? Or are you going to let the world and those around you define your mindset? God sets us apart in a church for a very good reason. It's fantastic that in Blackpool where 90-whatever percent are middle class white of or lower class white, we've got a multicultural church. I love it going to Kika and Olympias for food because I know it's not just the church that comes along I know that all their friends get invited I know that when I go and sort of say with new food on the table I go mm, I'm quite stuffed actually, I, I, I just hold off and I get that light kick at the bottom saying no, food's there, eat it and it's just a different culture you know, we've got Stephen, we've got Toby and Chago they come from different cultures and it's great because it stirs us out of our Britishness it gives us an idea that there's more that there's more than just the cultures of other, other countries we need to be aware that we have a new when we come into uh, being saved with Christ when we encounter Jesus we get a new home and it's that culture that we need to bring into our meetings here because that's true culture, that's right culture so we need to be sort of biblically based we need to be bringing the culture of the kingdom into our meetings and that means we need to be ready for God to shake things up when he says I'm doing a new thing. All of this makes me just think about um, what we watch and what we listen to affects our mindset. So, quick question, what are you watching? How long are you spending on your phone, looking at Facebook, at Twitter? How long are you spending looking at um, the news? Are you watching pornography? How long are you spending in your Bible? How long are you spending in prayer with Jesus? Because what we look at, what we listen to, affects Our mindset. Sorry. Just want to make sure I've covered everything. Um, When people look at us, they're able to see a difference compared to what the world has out there. It's either that, or they just think we're a nice bunch of people. I want them to know that we're different because of Christ. That we are christ We're followers of Christ. And that means that we love people. That that love isn't a wish-washy thing. You know, I talked about pornography. That's not doing you any good if you're involved in that. And you need to get help. Um, with that you know, what the world puts out, sort of on Facebook or on Twitter, can affect your mindset and love is the way that we can combat that because that's what the kingdom's about we should be out for everyone because ultimately when we encounter Jesus he looks after (laughs) us And so, if we're cared for by Jesus then we're able to care for those around us. We're able to um, reach out to those out of the overflow of God's love for us. I'm not going to read through this but this is where we go into the first parable and the summary of it sort of basically Jesus has been sat watching people um, and watching people clamoring to um, get in on the places closest to the host, to the, the Pharisee and he just makes a comment about it but that comment is recorded for us because even in today's society so often we're out for ourselves, we want to elevate ourselves and Jesus is saying actually you know, in some ways sometimes you're better off swimming it you're better off being with um, Chris Wellington tells a story around this about when he was young uh, he was in a big family and he used to sort of all the kids used to get put on sort of the low down tables with just a sort of um, plywood at top and the parents and so forth would sit at the, the big table and he decided he was going to sit at the big table one there. and needless to say he just got stared down but by the time he decided to act on it he got pushed out to one of the the small plastic chair, so it was probably too small for it, um, and he was just around the ring of kids. But that's our world that we decide um, in the world that we want to sit at the big table, we want to be close to um, those of influence. But actually, Jesus is saying, take time to be with the poor, with the down and out. I look around Blackpool and there's a lot of people who are struggling. There's a lot of sick people who are struggling with mental health, there's people who are really poor and have never had good role models about how to manage your money, um, however little you've got of it. We the people called by Jesus to do that. Jesus then talks with the host and he expands it a bit further directing towards you know, this Pharisee this and sort of saying that really the goal is not the event not to have the meal but it's to love those who can't repay that love who can't demonstrate the love back to you we are to love the unlovable You see, that's the kingdom. That's what Jesus was bringing about. We're just called to love people. That was one of the things Andrea um, heard from God. We had a, in the church that we were in previously, um, we had a guy come along, um, he'd been invited in, and um, we sort of said, well, you know, so uh, enjoy the meeting but afterwards why don't we come back to ours Well, right? there's a load of us coming back to ours we're just going to have sort of some simple food and, yeah. and he came back and he said to us why why should you do this to me, for me why would you put on this food why would you invite me into your home you don't know me and we were able to say well that's true, we don't know him. but God loves us and we're told to love you for who you are and he was just blown away he gave his life to God that day, and later on that week he was killed and Andrea was sort of screaming basically at God, why? why? that's not just why would you, you know, you would only just said yes to bow me and correct his life? Why? God said to Abraham, I just called you to love them. That's the call on us as this church, is just to love people. Jesus goes on um, with another parable and this one was again around the table and it all kicked off basically because the guy there sort of said oh you know sort of it would be great for those who get invited to the great feast in the kingdom of God and um, Jesus goes and tells this parable um, and he tells it of um, this host who's put on this lavish banquet and, and got people um, to come but each of his guests starts making lame excuses for why they didn't really want to come along and so the host, a bit discouraged by that sort of says to his servants go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind Lane and his servants go out and do that, and then they come back and they say, We've done that. And the host sees that his house isn't full yet, and he says to the servants, Now go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. And that was the challenge that we believe or they believed, there, clearly, that the kingdom was something off in the future. And Jesus is saying, no, the kingdom is here, it's now. But not only that, those around you who are poor, who are crippled, who are lame, they're the people that are accepted into this kingdom just as much as the rich. The kingdom is for everyone there will be different responses, and it's so easy to judge people and sort of say, come on, there's no way they're ready to accept Jesus as their Lord. We live in a society that has no need of rescue as far as they're concerned. They don't see the pit that they're in. We live in a society where dependency, especially on something that's unseen, is considered a weakness. I don't mean Christ. But we're not called to judge whether that's where they're at. We're just called to love them and accept them wholeheartedly. It's easy to fall into. That line of you know the, the church is just for those who've accepted God. It isn't um, it's just trying to think of his name. Vicky um, says, you know, the church is a hospital, and I think it actually comes from somewhere else, but you know, the church is a hospital, it's not you know, sort of a place where you come to order, it's a place that you know, people come to be made well. I can run a church meeting-ish. I can put on a meal-ish. But, I can't ensure that the people who come to that meeting, to that meal, meet with God. In fact, the only way I can facilitate people meeting with God, meeting with Jesus, encountering Jesus, is by making sure myself that I'm in a place with Jesus, that I have met him, that I'm where Christ is. It's a good thing that Christ lives in me but it's easy to forget that. What do you do to spend time in Christ's presence? How are you working out the kingdom? How are you working out Jesus' rule, his reign in your life and in the lives of those around you? Father God, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that we're going through this series where we see lots of other people encountering Jesus, and we get to learn things from their encounters with you. But Lord, I thank you that we are people who have encountered you. Lord, I thank you that you left the 99 and came and rescued me. Lord, I thank you that I do need a rescuer, that I do need you in my life. And Lord, I pray that I would be relying on you. Thank you, God. I pray that for all of us. Father, we'll just pray your blessing on this week, that we would take opportunity to speak to those around us, that we would love those around us. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you for listening For more information, downloads and podcasts Please visit CC Blackpool